There is a dark, dark underworld that is all around us. It is even through the center of our hearts, the line of evil that runs through each and every one of our hearts. And some of us like to soak it in. Some of us really actually love the darkness. Some of us love being pulled into the the deception, to the the lust of our flesh and our, our lives. We love to soak in that. Other of us hate that. Others in the world try to pretend that it doesn't exist. They isolate themselves. They pull back. They lock themselves up away in closets and caves, sometimes literally and sometimes just burying our heads in the sand, trying to pretend that the problems of the world don't exist. But the question for today is how can we live our lives in the world? How can we live our lives in the midst of the dark underworld that surrounds us while at the same time holding on to our values and not compromising? Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Episode 270, it is February 10th, 2022, and I have been been pondering, thinking, meditating, chewing on this thoughts for, gosh, about two weeks now. I've, I've had some conversations with people around the idea around trying to grapple with what I'm what I'm trying to get at what I'm trying to express and so we're going to talk a little about about that today um in the context of some current current and social events good night so the 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 overall arching question that I'm I'm posing in today's episode is exactly how how do we hold on to our values? How do we hold on to truth? Because it's truth that sets us free. I've mentioned this before. A lot of us were, and I started this podcast in this way, talking about purpose. What's your purpose? We need to know our purpose. If we own our story, we can own our future. If we know our purpose, we can do what we were created to do. But the reason we're searching for purpose is because we see others who seem to be fulfilling their purpose or maybe are fulfilling their purpose. And we say, man, they have something that I don't have. They have freedom, not just freedom from the nine to five, potentially, but, but this interior sense of freedom of I am walking out my original design of what I was placed here on this earth to do. And it's that sense of freedom, but freedom and in man's search for meaning, uh, frick, Viktor Frankl talks about this as well in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Freedom is not an outward expression of, I have the perfect job, I'm doing the perfect thing, everything's lined up, I have the the 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and the house in the suburbs, or whatever your ideal dream of living your purpose might be. Might be it's, I have no job and no house and no picket fence and I'm able to travel the world and see everything that I want to see. We often think that it's these exterior trappings that are keeping us from our purpose, keeping us from our freedom, that, that's holding us back. But it's truth. It's truth that sets us free. And it's not just knowledge, but it's truth is something that's applied, which makes it cultural, which 
is going to be coming up in our Weaver and Loom section. Great. Gosh, this killer quote from the uh, Japanese samurais, uh, uh, the ways of the warrior. So great quote coming up towards the end of the show today. But it is truth that sets us free. So how do we then walk out our principles, walk out truth, walk out our values, while at the same time, when someone else thinks differently than us, when someone else disagrees with us, when someone else violates our boundaries, how can we then not violate our own values and boundaries of being a nice person, a kind person, a loving person? How do we not violate our own values in retaliation to when someone violates our values or when the world in and of itself seems to be violating the very, the very fabric that we hold dear? Well, we have some stories about that on today's show. First, the first story of uh, the violation of values and boundaries on a really a global scale, it's Pornhub. Pornhub is, I'm sure you know, is probably the, I don't know if it's the biggest, but probably one of the biggest porn sites in the entire world. There is so much uh, abuse on that platform. There's so much trafficking that actually takes place on that traf- uh, platform, human trafficking, um, sex trafficking, girls who and boys who are brought into the, the sex trade at an early age and then are now being monetized on this platform. But here's this little graph. And if you have a a podcast 2.0 certified app that you're listening on, you'd be able to see that the cover art on the podcast has changed to this image where it says the number of years it took for each product to gain 50 million users. And it starts with airlines. It took 68 years for them to gain 50 million users. Then cars, 62, phones, 50 years, electricity, 46 years. Credit cards, 28, TV, 22, goes on and on. Till we see that it took 12 years for a mobile phone to gain 50 million. Uh, the iPod gained 50 million users in four years. YouTube in four years. Facebook, 50 million users in f- three years. Twitter in two years. So, and then Pornhub in 19 days. It took 19 days. Now, this chart is a little bit deceiving. And this is why we see a progression of things, of technology, which enables a network effect so that once Pornhub comes around, they're able to leverage and utilize things like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, because there is now a word of mouth network that you can easily grow, not easily, but you can easily grow to 50 million users in 19 days. So there's that. I I will say that in some ways this is not deceptive, but there's other things that are at play that enables Pornhub to get 50 million users in 19 days. The other thing, though, that is quite telling is that, wow, we have a real, the globe, across the globe, doesn't matter what nation it, you might be living in, has a real problem with an addiction, an addiction to pornography. And that Addiction to pornography is fueling the sex industry, is fueling the, the degradation of our moral values. Pornhub, pornography, the 
the, the dehumanizing of our intimate relationships, that something that's meant to be between a, a husband and a wife, but it, now it is proliferated through the internet, where the internet is a very dangerous place for either someone struggling with an addiction or kids, because it's two, three clicks away and you're right there. And it changes the dopamine patterns in our mind. It rewires us and it is an addictive process. Even the American Psychology Association says that if you are married and you are looking at pornography, that constitutes as being unfaithful to your spouse. That constitutes as having an affair. That is the level of betrayal that another person feels when their spouse is looking at pornography. So it's not just a surface level thing. It's not just that, well, you know, some people like that sort of thing and it's really okay, no harm, no foul. Really, it, is, it does something to our brain chemistry. So how, 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 do we then, how do we then walk out into the world knowing that it's at everyone's fingertips at, everyone's, at every moment? And probably most people around us are engaged in that. Do we just totally carte blanche try to condemn and cancel and shut down and, and censor every single, not just, not just pornography, but censor anyone or anything that might then challenge our values, that might go against our values. And that's what uh, leads to this next story. This next story, it's uh, truly, truly tragic. Uh, I guess not tragic. It's, it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's criminal. It's violent. And it, in no way, in no way would, should anyone ever condone this. But in Iraq, in northern Iraq, in Kurdistan, there was a, a trans woman, so a biological male who transitioned to become a female using a lot of makeup. I guess this person, uh, Dosi um, Dosik Azad was his or her name, um, was pretty popular on the Twitters, popular, well-known, and her, his brother killed his brother, sister. I don't know how, how all his pronouns go, but he was this transgendered female, male, male became female, was killed by his brother and then fled the country, put a bullet in this person's head, uh, totally, totally wicked, totally evil. And, you know, this is now it's be being considered a honor killing. This, uh, the brother who committed the murder fled and reported, or fled Kurdistan and reportedly now lives in Germany. Um, so there's two, there's two things that are at play right here. First, the first thing at play is one, it's, this is not new. You look, you look across the, the globe and even the Arab world or even the Persian world, and you see that there are boyats, girls who are dressing like boys and are engaging in uh, 
culturally inappropriate relationships with one another. You see across uh, Central Asia, young boys um, frequently dancing and being, you know, essentially abused, pedophilia uh, across many of these cultures across the, the globe. And this is dated back for thousands of years. And this is something that we're, frankly, we're seeing in the West as well. Pedophilia is not something that is uh, foreign to the West. But so we see that there are these values that are being broken, these family values that are being destroyed. There are principles that we as monotheistic faiths uh, see that are being violated. We can, we can, and we talk about it so much here on the show, the LGBTQ plus double uh, A agenda. We, we know that it is a, an agenda by the media to desensitize our youth to then push forward a, it's really a Marxist agenda where there is no family structure, where people do not know who their parents are, where there is no stability in people's lives. Why? Because if, if there's not stability in people's lives, people will then go on to rely on the government. And if you're relying on the government, then the government has power over you. And it's all about power and control. But back to a, a personal level, we look at this story of Dosky, who was murdered. And on a cultural standpoint, from a Middle Eastern perspective, some people are making the argument, well, this is an honor killing. We, we have to uphold our community values, and this is how we uphold them. But from my perspective, murder, murdering someone is far worse and criminal, wicked, evil than the, the trauma that this person may be in or the decision, the lifestyle that this person is living. And I know many times when I, I talk about, out about this, I get pushback from many people in the West saying, well, yes, but what if a trans person listened to your show? How would they feel about your show? And I don't take that question lightly. I do know that that's not the audience. However, I, I want to be a person that holds on to my values and my principles, who's able to say, actually, no, this is wrong. Living this type of lifestyle, whether it's uh, living in a cohabitation relationship, whether it is uh, gay marriage, whether it's the LGBTQ agenda that is targeting youth, whether it's uh, young girls and young boys going through transitions, which is happening in the West without their parents knowing about it. This is a a Luciferian demonic agenda that is coming after our kids. It's coming after this coming generation more than ever before. There's a poll that was done in the, the States that said that 30 to 40%, I don't remember the exact number, ballpark, of Generation Z identify in some way, shape, or form as LGBTQ+, which is a shocking number, just absolutely shocking. So it's been a successful strategy, and we talked about this just a couple weeks ago, about the, the film that came out in Egypt, which was celebrating these uh, amor amorality, immorality, and there was outcry to cancel Netflix because of the, because of the uh, 
trying to desensitize their youth through the celebration of non-traditional values. And this is what we talk about all the time. So how do we hold on to our values, continue to speak what is true while at the same time seeing the individual and being able to be a source of help and life and light and comfort and mercy to those people? Clearly, honor killings are not the way to go. Clearly, just casting a stone of judgment against someone is not the way to go. However, I see across global culture, global culture, not just in one place, global culture, we have a tendency to other the other person. We have a tendency to say, oh, you think a little bit differently than you. We can't interact. We can't have a relationship. We can't have any sort of mutual connection because you might corrupt me. You might corrupt me. If we think differently on hard issues like the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, you might corrupt me because you don't have the same humanitarian values that I have. Now, that can go both ways. That does go both ways. If one person is saying, well, you know, I can't be friends, I can't be friends with you because you don't share the same human rights that I have because I think that Israel is an apartheid state. And we need to just do away with all of Israel, all the Jews who aren't really Jews. We need to do away with them, which is, in my opinion, a call for open genocide. Both sides are equally offended. The side that is pro-Hamas saying, well, I can't, I can't engage with you because you believe in, you support an apartheid state, which has been said to me. The, iron, the deep irony is the converse is true. The opposite is also true, which is, well, that means that I shouldn't want to engage with you or befriend you because you support and promote an open call for genocide from the river to the sea, Israel shall, or Palestine shall be free. It goes both ways. So that, that clearly, to me, is not the solution. What is the solution? Well, a third story, which I think ties back further into the, the fact that we really do live surrounded by a spiritual world. And we know this. We all know this. I think even the, the atheists know this. And we, we see it as evidenced by our culture's fascination with horror films, culture's fascination with, with whether it's a um, astrology, which is not just the study of the stars, but it's the reading of the stars, or their fascination with tarot cards or Eastern mysticism. It doesn't matter. Maybe it does matter, but I don't think it matters really where you're from. We all know that there is a spiritual realm. There's a clip that came out just this week of a woman who was rescued from being trafficked in America. And uh, quite a tragic clip. We're going to play this clip. Uh, this is in no way, shape, form, or means meant to humiliate or disgrace this woman who has been through a world of abuse, um, likely satanic ritual abuse, because that's really what the trafficking um, and prostitution is. It is satanic ritual abuse. Here's a, here's a clip from... Uh, 
Here's the clip. He's going to close the door. You stay right there before we move. Hey, 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 calm hey, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Back up. Back up. Back up. Get your foot back in there. Get your foot back in there. Ma'am. Ma'am, we're going to have to tase you. You're not going to like that. I don't understand what you're telling me. You couldn't hear that. She said, I don't understand what you're telling me. And if you're not watching, you can see a, a clip of her trying to get out of a car as the police officers are trying to put her in a car. And she's screaming, uh, hissing. Clearly evidence of demonic possession. But this is this is the the broken state. When I when I look at this woman and I think of the millions who are trafficked globally. Millions across across the Middle East, across Asia. Across China. Russia, Europe, Africa. America in America, 300,000 kids are trafficked, or people are trafficked every year in America, 300,000. Not all of it is sex trafficking, but a large majority of it is. Across the globe, not all of it is uh, sex trafficking. Uh, a lot of it is labor trafficking, essentially enslaved labor. Um, slavery has not gone away in, by any stretch of the imagination. Has not gone away. But the level of oppression, the level of um, abuse that people go through, it can be easy to cast a stone. It can be easy to say, well, we need to just throw these, separate ourselves as far as possible from culture, separate ourselves as far as possible from these issues that are happening. Let's not talk about these taboo issues, let's dumb it down. Let's dumb it down and keep it simple. You know, keep it non-trigger warning. But it doesn't make the issues go away. And it doesn't help people like this poor woman who, is, who has suffered tremendous abuse. And that tremendous abuse, really, the entry point for it is Pornhub. The entry point for the abuse that these men and women go through, because one out of five People who are trafficked are male. And the average age into trafficking or prostitution, at least in America, is like eight, between eight and 11 years old. It's very young. These are innocent children who are being abused, sold, and then further monetized through pornography. So our actions there in that dark underworld that's all around us, where there is a spiritual world that is influencing, influencing us, that is, has us in an addiction many times, or a spiritual world that, that not only causes or might further entrap someone in identity crisis, not knowing who they are, not knowing who, who was I supposed to be. But then a, a, a demonic realm that then would drive someone to murder their own brother 
for the sake of honor. I don't really have answers. I don't have, I definitely don't have answers to these questions. But is a thing that I grapple with. Is a thing that I grapple with of how do we show and hold on to our values while still loving the person in front of us. Not just, and this is the, the, where it falls kind of all over the place. I apologize, but this is where it's, there's a moat on both sides because one side can say and fall into the moral relativism where we say, ah, it's okay. Everyone can do what they want. Let everyone just live as we want. The other side can live in, it fall into dogmatism where we say, this is the way it has to be. And if you think differently, then you're out of my life. Neither side is helping the, the abused, the oppressed, the, the poor physically, financially, or spiritually poor person that is trapped in this bondage. So how can you build a culture in your life where you are able to engage with people who are not like you, where you are able to engage with people who are broken, who are hurting, who are falling, who are oppressed, who are struggling, who offend you and offend your values? who offend the things that you stand for, who things that fly in the face of everything that you believe to be right and true. How can you care in, in a genuine way for that person while at the same time not compromising on the things that you love and believe? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense in a post- truth society where we've exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality the absurd finally makes sense well we think that the digital vr world of safety bubbles is going to save us from the the dark underworld but i'm afraid not this week or i guess it was last week uh a woman by the name of nina patel was virtually gain raped on Meta, which is Facebook's uh, VR platform. And she said that within 60 seconds of her logging into uh, Horizon Venues, which is the VR world owned by Meta, formerly Facebook, Patel said that three to four male avatars with male voices essentially virtually gain raped my avatar and took photos as I tried to get away, they yelled, don't pretend you didn't love it. And some other crude, some crude things that are, are not worth repeating. But this is, this is the digital world. Oftentimes, the digital world really brings out the worst in us. And it, it, it brings out, in many ways, the things that we restrain in normal society. Because we have this veil of anonymity. We have this veil of, well, people don't really know who I am, so I can get away with this. And it's just a digital world anyways. There's not a person on the other side of that screen. And that can happen through uh, wars we get in comment sections, or that can happen in uh, making obscene comments or posts. It happens in the, consum the consumption of pornography. And now it's happening in these VR worlds. Now, it is not that digital technology is bringing out the worst in us or that 
all of a sudden this is a new problem that digital technologies are causing. Rather, technology is merely exposing the truth that's already there. It was Viktor Frankl, who you mentioned earlier in the show, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, who says that there is a line of evil that runs down the center of every man's heart, that each and every one of us has an incredible propensity for evil, and that should frighten us, and that should scare us. So human nature is evil. Human nature, you look across the world, it is evil. Mankind is not basically good. It's, that's just a fallacy. It's not. There are people who, who lives have been transformed, who use their life for good. There are people who strive against the darkness in one's own heart. But that's not, that's not everyone, and that's not, that shouldn't be taken for granted. That's not a given. Well, this falls in the, yeah, that makes sense, because this is where the world is moving. We're moving to more digitalized platforms, more digitalized engagements. And I hope, I hope that, I hope that we begin to pull back from it and we begin to engage in real life with people. I hope that the next generations begin to do that as well. But I also realize that the digital world is real life. I, we can easily say that, well, Instagram isn't real life. And I've said that. I've said that even this last week. Instagram is not real. Like, don't get overly concerned with what some stranger thinks about you on the internet. It, it is real, but it's not real. However, people's experience, life experience is growing in the the composition of digital experiences that they will have across their lifetime. And that does make up a real portion of their life. So in this post-truth society where, where we are substituting life-on-life -life engagement for digital eco-chambers, because that's something that the, the internet has done, which has been an amazing thing and an amazing curse to humanity. It has caused us to be able to connect, you and I, we're connecting because of the internet. And likely, the likelihood that you think a lot like me is probably pretty high. Because I know for a fact that people who disagree with what I say are not coming here listening to this show. They're not. We are talking because we think in a similar way. We have a shared level of culture or values, or even maybe it's a geographical location. There's something that is holding us together. So that's amazing because we, we're through the digital world. We're able to find our tribe. We're able to find people that like, oh my goodness, you think like me, you feel like me, you see the world the way that I do. But the downside of that is when we are confronted with real life, People in front of us who don't think like us, who don't feel like us, who don't see the world that, the way that we do, no longer are we forced to confront ourselves in that instance. No longer are we forced to have relationship with people around us that aren't like us, that disagree with us, that will challenge the things that we say, that will challenge the things that we think, which then causes us to have the ability to pull into our echo chambers, and it causes us to have more and more, not self-fulfilling prophecy, 
confirmation bias is the word I'm looking for, where we begin to think that everyone else thinks like me. And when we find someone that doesn't think like me, oh my goodness, I've never met, I've never met someone that think, thinks differently than I do. I didn't know that that person actually existed. I thought that was just some fringe alt whatever that's out there, which is why back when Trump was uh, president of the United States, when I, I'd meet someone who clearly I could tell was probably uh, very much didn't like Trump. Normally, they'd, they'd say something about it early on in the conversation about how insane uh, former President Donald Trump was. And I would say, oh, yeah, I really like him. I voted for him. And they'd be like, they'd be so shocked they'd fall out of their chair. But I would say it not to then get into a debate, not to then hit each other over the head, not to cause controversy, but to have a space where all of a sudden I'm not in my echo chamber anymore. And that is a healthy place to be, building a community around you that doesn't think like you, building a team around you that doesn't think like you, building a team around you that's not yes mans, yes womans, yes children, yes peers, yes mentors. You want to find people who were who will challenge the way that you think. Otherwise, it will be very easy to fall into traps that will quite easily derail our lives. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. This is a value for value podcast, which means that we don't have advertisers on the show. Instead, this show is fueled by people and listeners just like you giving value back to the show in a monetary measure in the same value that you got out of the show. You can give value back to the show by visiting us at lucasgrobot.com backslash support and giving your hard, cold fiat there. Or if you're kind of over fiat and you are getting into Web3 and crypto, you can stream this podcast. You can listen to it on a web a podcast 2.0 certified app like Breeze, Podfriend, um, and there you can load up your Satoshi wallet with a little bit of Bitcoin and you can stream Satoshis, which are like the micro millionth of a, of a Bitcoin, as you listen to the show as a way to give back. All right, don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destinies. Today's quote is from uh, Bushido, which Bushido is a moral code concerning samurai attitudes, behaviors, and lifestyles. I took that straight off of Wikipedia. Now, there are multiple Bushido codes or types that have evolved throughout the centuries. Um, and today we have a quote from it, which, man, I love. I, I just, I really love this quote. Bushido Moral Code Culture says, a culture is not a set of beliefs. It is a set of actions. A culture is not a set of beliefs. It is a set of actions. This is, this is exactly what we talk about. We have a set of beliefs, a set of ideas that we hold true, but they only create culture if we act upon them. 
And I would even go as far to argue we only believe something that we act upon. We only believe something that we act upon. If we believe a certain business or a certain stock is going to be successful, if we believe a certain way of living, whether it's exercise or eating healthy, is going to create the best result for our life, if we truly believe it, then we will act out upon it. Otherwise, we have a conflicting set of beliefs somewhere deep down. We have some sort of cognitive dissonance, which will we, we will then find evidence to undergird or uh, to undermine that positive belief because we realize that there's a cognitive dissonance. If I believe that working out is really going to help me, I know it up here, but somewhere deep down, I believe, ah, well, I'm, I'm still young. I'm still healthy. Uh, I know that working out will be good for me, but I don't really think it's going to change my life all that much. So I, un- I undermine my belief of, hey, you should work out. Well, because I do that and I don't act upon what I know, and therefore I know it, I don't believe it. I'm not actually creating a culture in my life that is leading me to where I want to go. And this is the very thing that we've been talking about. We have our beliefs. We have the things that we know are true. And when we act out on that truth, that truth becomes activated in our lives and transforms our lives. It's not enough to merely know something, but we have to live it out. It's not enough to have the right outward forms of saying the right things and checking the right boxes. We have to have that transform our inner belief system which then transforms the culture around us. So I hope that you go out this week grappling with this question. It's, there's not an easy one-two punch for this question of how do we hold on to our values without violating our value of love and kindness and mercy. Because if someone violates our values by living a lifestyle or believing something differently than I do, and then in retaliation to the the offense that I've received, in retaliation to that, I then violate my own boundaries of kindness, of gentleness, of mercy, self-control, of loving. If I violate that, then I've now violated my own moral code, my own principles. And that is far worse than someone else violating mine. That is a betrayal of self. So go out this week. Don't betray yourself and definitely don't betray your friends. And one way that you can not betray your friends is by sharing this podcast with them and having a conversation about it. I know this wasn't a three-point, you know, easy one, two, three answer here, but it's a question. Have this conversation. Even if you don't share the podcast, have this conversation with other people in your life. How do you hold on to values and not become dogmatic? How do you love the person in front of you and not just fall into moral relativism and just say, oh, let's coexist. You can just live the way that you want to live and it's fine. Oh, it's totally fine that you think that you can murder babies in the room. No big deal. You do you, I'll do me. We don't want to fall into that. Likewise, we don't want to fall into the other side of the camp where we are now 
committing acts of violence in retaliation to acts of violence or in retaliation to someone thinking differently than us or living a lifestyle that goes against our moral set of beliefs or pushing underneath the rug and not talking about things that are clearly happening in society, issues that are clearly every, every youth across the globe is talking about and struggling through. We don't want to just push that underneath the rug. We need to talk about it. How do we then talk about it in a way that's not normalizing, normalizing something that we know is ultimately going to corrode and destroy someone's life? Thank you so much for being here on today's episode, episode 270. I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your time here with me on the show. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And if you have a question, I'd love to answer it right here on the show. Until then, go out, act on truth, create a culture, and own your future.